Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This thing on? Okay, good. Thank you for listening to the JT and Looney Podcast. Episode 165. Down the stretch they come, my Los Angeles Lakers. Getting ready to take the title. If you want to bet on them, you'll get some good odds right now. There's some great props at BetOnline. Just go to BetOnline.ag. Wager on some NBA playoff action. You have some futures when it comes to the Super Bowl champion. Well, you know, that's, that's a place to go. If you're not betting yet in your life, you start getting into the world of seedy world of gambling right now at Bet Online. It's almost legal everywhere in the United States. Now you don't need to go to Vegas. Just go to Bet Online and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just for being friends with JT and Looney. Use the promo code BLEAV, as in believe. That's the platform that posts the JT and Looney podcast. We love believe. BLEAV. Get your 50% welcome bonus at Bet Online. That's where the game starts. Oh, and now the podcast starts, God damn it! Check, check, one, two. One, two, three. And check, check, one, two. So I will turn my microphone down and turn my headphones up because listening to myself really loud in the Sony headphones is my favorite part. I thought I'd have the blur background today in honor of Kerry Lake, who showed up at Mar-a-Lago in the front row with the My Pillow guy, with Don Jr., his whacked-out fiance, who used to be Gavin Newsom's wife. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm, I'm freezing the frame to my wife, and I'm going, oh, my God, that could be the biggest circus whack job group of people. They're all hanging on the rail for the post-indictment when he came down, you know, the long path at Mar-a-Lago to the cheering family and his son, Eric, even taking a video. Like, why would your son need to take a video? He could just <laughs> a live stream in the back. And I said, oh, my God, there's Gary Lake. She looks so beautiful. It's softened behind yes. her. And the My Pillow guy. And then I noticed that Gary Lake and the My Pillow guy were talking for an uncomfortable 10 minutes as the 45th president was was waiting to come out. And I just said, can you imagine what the MyPillow guy and Kerry Lake, the election denier, are talking about right now? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a better podcast than this one? Oh, my God, yes. It's, it's, it's incredible. And what I was thinking about that it reminded me of was a Festivus. It was an airing of grievances. <laughs> what it, was. it was incredible. It was like... Uh, the, the speech was like uh, George's father was up there with the airing of the grievances. I love Festivus, love Seinfeld, and it was entertaining. You know, what was crazy about it, too. I thought I was a little late for this podcast. I apologize for keeping mm-hmm. it because I know your schedule as an actor and as a newsman. And I was running a little bit late. No need to talk about it here. But uh, could you be late for an indictment podcast? Because what would be on time for the indictment podcast? Would it be right after he left the courthouse before he got to the courthouse, before the plane left for Mar-a-Lago, or when the speech at Mar-a-Lago happened. So if you were doing an indictment podcast, you would have had about four or five opportunities to start and stop. Well, how about this? I was anchoring the news on the radio yesterday live between 11 a.m. and 5 p.m. So I got to be on the air Anchoring the news while he took off from Mar-a-Lago, while he landed in New York, when he went to... Oh, no, wait, wait. He was already in New York. I got to watch him go to the courthouse as I was watching. Uh, I got to uh, kind of kind of constantly updated. And there was other there was other news. You know, Finland joined NATO. <laughs> 
knocked that right off the front page. They expanded the border of Russia, doubled it, and that didn't even make the news. Oh, man. And so, uh, matter of fact, I led with that jokingly at 11 o'clock on KABC and said, let me see, anything else going on? But I, uh, I had quite, uh, quite an enjoyable afternoon. You know, I have been on the air for some incredible newsworthy, earth-shaking events since I became a newsman and part of the elite media in my limousine. I, uh, there was, I was on the air the day Kobe Bryant died, live. I was on the air when the president caught COVID. Remember, um, what is it, Air Marine One, when the helicopter was on the front lawn near the portico and we were wondering when Trump was going to come out to go to Bethesda Naval and he, was he going to be... In a, on a stretcher, is he going to walk out? Remember all that? I was on the air for that, just waiting for that, anticipating that. Got to be on the air yesterday during a historical day as a political science major and someone who, who loves uh, presidential history, uh, you know, who read the three-volume biography on William Howard Taft. It was uh, an incredible historical and sad day. Nobody wants to see anybody have to go to court. Have you ever had to get up at, eight, at 7 in the morning and get down there by 9 o'clock? Of course, he got to have the court cleared out for him. Lucky guy. But, yeah, no one likes to see anybody go to court. Yeah, that was a weird day, and there was a lot yeah. going on in sports. I had a – yeah. as we record this podcast, I've had a wild week because I saw grown-ass men – in their basements yelling at an African-American college basketball player for trash-talking a white female college right. basketball player. Angel Reese of LSU winning the championship, uh, going up against Caitlin Clark and pointing at a ring finger and doing this John Cena, if you're watching us on YouTube, yeah. you know, the not-my-face thing, whatever they call that. And then a bunch of guys in their 40s and 50s started calling her classless. And then a little bit of a race war broke out on the radio, and I was in the middle of that again going, oh, I didn't study this at Geneseo State University <laughs> when I was a speech yes. comm major, but I'm an expert on this now because I've covered so many racial stories that they don't begin to be racial, and I don't think that Angel Reese thought it was racial, and Caitlin Clark, the Iowa Larry Bird, the female right. Larry Bird, she doesn't think it's a big deal, deal at all. But when men started tweeting classless, and then men started saying that the South Carolina team that got eliminated were thugs. And then all of a sudden I said, okay, let me put on my experience cap. And I put it on and said, here come the race baiters. And the race baiters went to Twitter and called her classless and started saying things. Some went with decent intentions because there was a level of taunting that we're not comfortable with with women. With women. Yes. We're not with comfortable women. with women taunting each other in sports. But that story blew up, and it was big on Sunday night. It, it, I thought it outdrew the men's UConn championship. And people were talking about it on every platform because we're uncomfortable. We're uncomfortable with women, no matter what this color of the skin is, when they get loud, when they throw yes. tennis rackets like Serena, when they point their ring finger while they're winning a championship and the clock is counting down at another woman. And, man, you want to talk about a story that came out of nowhere – and now I guess we know that women are allowed to do what the men do. When Draymond Green does it, and he's full of profanity, and he's screaming at referees and other players and tackling them to the ground, we just get used to it because it's Draymond. But when it comes to a brilliant basketball player, Angel Reese, and all of a sudden she's kind of walking towards Caitlin Clark. I wouldn't say prowling after her, some of the words that we use, but she was taunting. And by the end of that show, I knew the definition of taunting. Uh, trash talking 
and especially at the level of women's sports where a lot of men are uncomfortable by it. We're asked many times to take a step back. People get very defensive about it. Take a step back and double-check ourselves and make sure we aren't getting more angry at women for things that men do, more angry at blacks for things that whites do. And sometimes I don't think that, you know, if you think about it too, and you were talking about Mar-a-Lago, I don't know if Trump, I don't know if Obama said some of the stuff Trump did and he ever would have got elected to city council. People sometimes have to, and, and our black friends will always tell us about excellence and how sometimes they have to behave differently. You remember our great producer, Ryan Payne, that we had. We love, we used for years. Right you would right. always take us out Thanksgiving, Christmas, different times. And take us usually across the Cheesecake Factory or down the street when we all worked in Los Angeles together. And you know, some of the, and a lot of times for over the years, we almost always had black producers, etc. And so we got to have great conversations on and off the air about these different subjects. And we were walking over there one day. You were already there, and at the corner of Sepulveda and Ventura in Los Angeles, it's like you're in Bombay, right? <laughs> Because the traffic there traffic is insane. Oh, my God. But it was a miracle. We're getting ready to go over there for, uh, for your Christmas dinner you were treating us to, and there were no cars coming in either direction. So I just ran across the street against the light. There was nobody there. And he waited. And he, we, we never talked about race, usually. We waited, and I had to wait for him. Well, he waited for the thing to say walk. Well, he waited for the green light. And I said, what are you doing? He said, you're not black. It was just a disconnect from a white guy's life and a black guy's life over something simple like jaywalking. <laughs> and they eventually got rid of jaywalking laws in Los Angeles because white people were never given a ticket. So sometimes we do have to take, take a deep breath, not call things race card, and eventually just double-checking ourselves because good people, not bad people, good people sometimes make that mistake of judging women harsher. The loud girls at school. The funniest girl in our high school was not as popular as I was. I was class clown. She was class clown. Dina Losito. Tom, we both got the class clown trophy. But I, my high school years were a lot more enjoyable because loud boys who are funny get a little bit more of a pass than loud girls. And, loud you know, girls were always fun. Yes. The best to hang yeah. out with still yeah. to this day. Because I think you and I were confident. presidents and yep. you know, the people who put everything together. Confident boys have no time, have no, uh, no problem with that. But, you know, most boys at those ages aren't. And so any loud girl or comedian can tell you it's a tougher life. And, and as it will be for sports, sport, people who play sports. Everybody who tuned into the women's final and the women's semifinal, the final four for the women, if you, if you didn't watch it, you missed out on great basketball. Now, at times... I saw you tweeting. Times, yeah, at times it's not fun to watch, just like the men. They miss a lot of shots. Wink, wink. There's a yeah. lot of air balls, whatever. But South Carolina came in, coached by Don Staley, who was a great player. How about this quote that I sent you that she said on the record? Yes. After they got beat because of what they were hearing behind their bench and what they were hearing and reading on social media by anonymous trolls, I wanted to make sure I got this quote right. We're not bar fighters. We're not thugs. We're not monkeys. We're not street fighters. So watch what you say when you're in public and you're talking about my team in particular. South Carolina coach Dawn Sterling. She got eliminated. They should have won. If they played this tournament 10 times, she would have won at nine. They're right. the best team. But it turned out in the middle of this tournament and everybody was paying attention, saw Caitlin Clark 
the white jump shooter, an overall great player from Iowa, and everybody was transfixed. So as a white guy behind the microphone, I don't pay a lot of attention to female college basketball. I started noticing Caitlin Clark all year, putting up these Steph Curry numbers. She's the first female ever, and the first basketball, male or female, ever to have a 40-point triple-double in the NCAA tournament. And then all of a sudden, LSU comes along, and Kim Mulkey, the coach who once played there, took over the program at the end of her career where she already had three championships. She dressed up like Elton John. She wears all these flowery costumes. Her team is predominantly black. They go up against the white, predominantly Iowa team, and they beat them handily. And near the end of the game, Angel Reese, a beautiful young basketball player, just starts taunting. And I mean aggressively, and she's waving her hand directly at Caitlin Clark to try to get her attention. And then at the end of the game, she's pointing at a ring finger, doing the ring thing that she copied from Aaron Donald when he tackled Joe Burrow to win the Super Bowl. So as I debated this topic for a number of days, I came to this conclusion. If you're a grown-ass man, don't tweet against college girls. You look like an asshole. Right. Okay, and plenty of guys did it from Keith Oberman. I remember when we always used to say Keith worked with Pedro, Keith and Pedro. Yes, it was a good show. He jumped the gun. He thought it wasn't right. He didn't know right. that Caitlin Clark did it against He didn't Louisville. know the full context. Yep. You know, and other people started t- tweeting out classless, which was trending. And I started going back and really doing the homework on it, and I realized it was mostly white guys in their 30s, 40s, and 50s tweeting at a young African-American college girl who's building her name, image, and likeness, celebrating a great accomplishment and victory. Yeah, maybe she trash-talked a little bit too much. How low of a human being do you have to do to tweet directly at college girls negatively? That was my big takeaway. And do you forget it's someone's child? Even taking race out of it, too. They do. Uh, I remember when we were doing talk radio together and Justin Bieber was someone's child. (laughs) And people were would mock him constantly. Talk show hosts. Grown talk show hosts. He's not even in sports. I think he was doing a boxing workout at the time. And I had a rule. I'm not trashing someone's teenage child on our talk show and and this is what people are are are, see this is the one thing about the dark side of the internet and twitter is usually when high school was done which a lot of people didn't enjoy high school i was an outlier i did but when it's over people are so happy it's over you know the bullying the you know the uh, insecurities it's like people can live high school all over again and then attack those who are having an enjoyable life <laughs> and achieving their goals and people get on there and now they do it it's not even anonymously they're holding their baby in front of their church and then telling a rape joke about kobe and, and that's guy, an interesting point you make because i had a caller call into one of the shows and say well why are you saying that these are white guys tweeting at this young african-american superstar player and i said because i spent the time to look at the tweets and find out that they were white guys tweeting at this black young girl and they were in their forties and their fifties. And were they all white guys? No, but I can tell you that a lot of African-American men weren't tweeting at Angel Reese, calling her classless. Right. And then Shaq had to come over the top and go right at Keith Olbermann. Dave Portnoy got a lot of heat coming back at him. And then you started looking at other people. And as I looked at it and Deadspin did a feature on it, it was just incredible to be on the air live as it was all going down and seeing it. 
And again, it's not because I'm better than the next broadcaster. It's just that I have experience in race relations with sports while being on the radio live. So there's a trigger effect on me to say that there's two young girls playing probably 19, 20, 21. If one looks a little bit more aggressive with their trash talking than the other, it's probably not good for me in my mid-50s to be tweeting at young girls who are teenagers or in their 20. And that was all wiped out in one night. I mean, there were thousands of people retweeting classless thug and using that word against LSU. And then to double down, Angel Reese, she calls herself the Bayou Barbie, very famous now, and her brand just exploded. Her name, Mm -hmm. image, and likeness exploded. She's going to make a lot more money. She just doubled down. She went, she got to her phone as quickly as she could and said, I'm, a, I'm fine with this. I'm comfortable with who I am. Then Caitlin Clark said, don't get mad at her. She didn't do anything wrong. And then Jill Biden invited both teams to the White House. Oh, Jill, Jill, sorry, Participation doctor. trophy. <laughs> sorry, Doc. We don't do that here. You, the loser. The only losers who get invited to the White House are silver medalists. <laughs> if you come in, if you get a silver at the Olympics, that's funny. You're allowed to go to the White House, but uh, if you if you're a runner up in any sport, even though Jill wanted to run that by Joe, uh, that <laughs> crashed and burned pretty quickly there. So LSU will have their day in the sun, uh, as they should. And uh, the great, uh, legendary Pop Warner coach Jay Palmer always said, you know, if you guys took second place, you weren't getting trophies because back in the day we went back to back to back as uh, Pop Warner champions, but he said you wouldn't have gotten those trophies if you take the second place. So you and I have always been a, 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 an opponent of the juice box trophies and the uh, the second place trophies and the participation trophies. Yeah, you're not going to the White House. You get second place. And if you remember, we had conversations like this with the uh, which realized where people had racial blinders on. Remember when LeVar Ball had sons that were about to make it into the NBA and and Lonzo Ball was going to be a first round draft pick and he had visualized his son going to UCLA and playing for the Lakers and it happened. But I remember people calling saying, Luke Walton's not going to draft Lonzo Ball with that big mouth father. And I wanted to point out to people, Luke Walton knows a thing or two about having a crazy father. <laughs> He's more likely to relate to Lonzo Ball. People were only seeing it through a racial prim, uh, prism of a, a loud black father. And then they said, LeBron James isn't going to put up with that. And LeBron James reacted by saying, I would love to have had a father that went to my games. See, people weren't people just thinking about it race and not thinking about it in terms of it's a dad that's really cheering on his son, which is what dads are supposed to do. Well, let's pay this forward because we like to do that. So when I teach that class at Santa Monica Community College about sports radio, we could take this video okay. and present it in front of the class. What did we learn from this issue? I'll go first. We learned that when the women athletes get triggered, right, and they taunt, we should be comfortable with that. Because yes. we're very comfortable with the men yeah. acting like lunatics. So when the women get a little bit of aggressive or they celebrate, We shouldn't lose our mind. Secondly, the big point I said is that grown men shouldn't be tweeting at young women. That should be a rule in life in general. You could say, well, that's not fair if grown-ass men tweet at young college basketball players. No, that's just being polite. Leave the girls alone, you internet bully guys who feel like you got to tweet at the women. That's my other big takeaway. And then finally, women's college basketball has some good momentum now. It got massive rating. I thought it was bigger than UConn's win. UConn and Danny Hurley winning was great. They won their five t- fifth title. It didn't have anywhere near the buzz 
as women as the women did because the women were more entertaining. They had a Steph Curry type player yep. in Caitlin Clark. They had a flamboyant coach who dressed up like Elton John. Dawn Staley was pissed off. She lost and really wanted to send a message on what she heard in the background and what they were saying about her players. And I just hope that we go forward. This is a copycat league, Tom. And I think there's a lot of 12 year old girls, 13, 14 year old girls who play middle school basketball who are now going to hit a big three and they're going to run down the court and do this with their hand over their face like John Cena. They're going to count down to their middle school championship, three, <laughs> two, and one, and they're all going to point at their finger like they're getting a ring. It's a copycat world, and there's a lot of young girls who are going to copy what we saw in that LSU final against Iowa. And you talked about the quote from Don Staley, which you had also sent me, and you had mm-hmm. just you had it just bothered me. It bothered me a lot. Aha, uh-huh. but did you see the video? The video portrayed it much differently. Well, sometimes when we see things on a page, and sometimes everyone's gotten into a pissing contest with a friend or a loved one in text. But then when you call them on the phone, everything calms down, right? <laughs> because it's just different. Her, her, when, when you sent me that quote, her quote, just reading it, we're not bar fighters, we're not thugs, not monkeys, we're not street fighters. Uh, hey, watch what you say when you're in public. You're talking about my team in particular. It sounds like a threat. When you see the press conference, she's talking about some of the chatter that she's heard mm-hmm. from people, awful things that sports reporters have said in private. And when you see the press conference, a little bit different from reading it. Today, I saw first a quote from Brooke Shields talking about her date with John F. Kennedy Jr. That. Yes. Yeah, JFK Jr. We're both fascinated with JFK and yes. JFK Jr. And, uh, and so I read the quote, and the quote looked like it, made, it really made him look bad, the way the quote read. But when you saw her on Howard Stern saying it, and she, it was all about being young, both of them being young and awkward. and ju- He was never awkward, but young and just getting into their dating lives, rolling and their sexuality rolling, rolling et cetera. When she was telling the story in person, it was much more lighthearted, then when you just read the words off the page, it seemed like he was a dick. So it was interesting. And so sometimes that's the difference between reading quotes. You know, you put a quote out there without its context and without the video. Sometimes people also misread things, too, just the same way that sometimes we take things wrong in text when we haven't heard the intonation, love, and respect of the voice of the person. And Don Staley's talking about what Angel Reese is talking about and others. A, what they hear in the background. They don't hear to their face. And what they read on social media. That's what happens to social media is that people quickly, quickly react without letting it breathe for a while. So when Angel Reese was there at the end clapping back and taunting and celebrating, you know, I compared it to Serena. A lot of times Serena's worst behavior was in a championship match. Right, it's for a, it's for a major. Right. So she's losing her mind, or someone beats her, and it looks like she's a poor sport. It's at the pinnacle, the pinnacle of what she does, playing in a U.S. Open final, Australian Open final. You don't hear about Serena doing this in a tournament in Cincinnati in the second round. Right. See it with everything on the line. So when I saw Angel Reese taunting Caitlin Clark, I also think I was smart enough to quickly realize the game's over. She's celebrating the win. 
She's euphoric. She won a championship. It's the first one, male or female, in LSU basketball history, playing for a coach who was a player there. So when she was jumping around and walking around pointing at a ring finger, it was just like Aaron Donald, who never won a Super Bowl. And then when he got to Joe Burrow and jumped up and pointed to that ring, it was right after the play ended. We cannot judge athletes unless it's violent behavior or something extreme. We're in the midst of what they're doing, their sport, in the middle of winning or about to win a championship. we got to give them leeway. We do have to give them leeway. Like I said, we always have to take a look inward, too, and make sure that we're judging people on the same level playing field because we all have prejudice inside us. The smart thing to do is be open to talking about it and be opening to sometimes realizing when we're being inconsistent ourselves. Good people are inconsistent about this stuff. Not bad people. Good people are inconsistent about stuff. As we've mentioned over the years, good people used to walk by the colored drinking fountain sign and not even think anything. And they're not even think anything of it because that's the way things were. Not bad people. Good people didn't think anything of it. It was bad people that came up with the idea. But sometimes we always have to be aware of our moral blindness, our moral inconsistencies that we, have, that we all have as human beings. And I was looking at some of the comments, which I rarely do, but with uh, Don Staley's uh, press conference, and some people would say, I'm sick of the hearing about the race card can't we you know we should we are all equal under god's eyes and i think well the second line's good there <laughs> but first of all calling it the race card makes it, it isn't appropriate anyway because it makes it sound like somebody's pulling out a joker out of a deck and using it to cancel the conversation because you're a racist if you don't agree with me no it's a race conversation and we always have to be happy to because it makes society better we should be happy to talk about racial conversations not call it a race card. It's a racial conversation. And we all need to learn from hearing all sides of the conversation and not get defensive or caught something like the race card, et cetera. Or oh, we're always talking about race. And get over that attitude and say, yeah, let's talk. But be respectful and listen. I went and saw the Red Hot Chili Peppers the Ooh. other night at Allegiant Stadium, home of the Raiders, big football stadium. Just want to share this story with you. These These are rock stars. Their shirts are off. They're fit. You can Google their age of Flea and Anthony Kiedis. And it was a great Vegas story. It was my wife's birthday. My wife's birthday was on April 3rd. And the concert was before that. And I said, it was such a great Vegas story. I wanted to share this with everyone. This is the difference between living in Vegas and anywhere else, living in Des Moines, Iowa, or living in a small town. So I'm like, you want to go? She's like, yeah, I'd like to go. She, we, she didn't see it last time. I said, yeah, I haven't seen him in a long, long time. Let's go. So I could have made a call and got tickets, easy. And I said, let's just not be that couple. Let's go online and buy a pair. Let's see what they're trading at. And it was cool because my wife's really good technology-wise. Yeah. So she's looking and she's like, well, the seats are here. I go, no, no, it's me. Where are they on the floor? Where are they in the pit? And she goes, well, these seats here, they're like for 80 bucks on the floor compared to like 200 in the club section. And I go, well, I want to go to, I want to see the peppers on the floor. So we're looking, boom, boom, boom. Prices are between like 90 and 110 bucks. Finally, I go, it's your birthday. Just click on and yes. So we buy two tickets. Oh, and then we should do a podcast on the fees. Oh, we should do a different time. We should do a podcast oh, on the fees. Some Spirit you, Airlines uh, shit you, going you know, on look, there. You look at the tickets, $88, and then you go to the checkout, and you're like, oh, okay, I get this scam. Anyway, we go to the show. We meet another couple who we don't know well. 
but we're going to get to know them even better. They invite us for some drinks and some food at Bellagio before the show. And we get there, and this very nice young woman comes in, and she works behind the scenes at one of the major hotels, and she puts down a manila envelope in front of us, and it's backstage, VIP, all you can drink, iron on for you, go wherever you want. And I looked at my wife, and she looked at me, and we're like, oh, okay, this is going to get good. So we get there. There's two warm-up bands. We don't even see it. We take a casino limo to the event. We pull up. We go in. We get a couple of cocktails at the bar, and we go right to the first row. And I do the classic JT. I touch the stage, and it's a mosh pit, but it wasn't a mosh. It wasn't violent. Right. Step back about 10, 10 yards, as I would say in NFL terms, on the football field, and sat back and watched the Chili Peppers just kill it and go it was Californication. It was all the classics. So good. And I had 19-year-olds to my right and 30-year-olds to my left and everybody jumping up and down for every song. Flea, the legendary bass player, has got a Los Angeles Lakers guitar, no shirt on, running off stage, disappearing, and coming out. Must have ran behind the stage at the football stadium. Comes up the other stairs, pounding the shit out of his bass, Anthony Kiedis, this unbelievable, like, Grateful Dead-style show behind him, like an acid trip there. They played for two and a half hours, and I just wanted to share with everybody, go see a rock concert on the floor. It was a great night. Guarantee you, Flea knows who we are. Do you know why I know that? I know exactly why. Yeah, he's a sports talk radio addict. Could have missed time. us over the years. <laughs> no, 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 he couldn't have. A couple of things there. First of all, this is why your wife married you, because the first, your first date with her, you brought her uh, up to the stage at a Rolling Stones concert with Tommy Lee and Pam Anderson. She thought, well, this guy's an operator, and the shit's still happening. Definitely, so, the first concert we wow. ever went to and the last one we went to, and I get that from my friends, too, when you get an opportunity you know, when I go to a concert, I want to be close. And not yeah, all the time you can be it. close. Right? I, there are times you can't be close. Right. But when you see that pit area or the general admission, the GA, always take advantage of that. The best shows I've ever seen in my life have usually been GA on the floor, standing in a crowd of a lot of people. And the music sounds better. A lot of people would debate that issue. But when you're right up in front of the stage and that music is knocking you down, if you get a chance to do it, for me, it makes it a much better show. The story is, the legend is that my first concert ever was a Rolling Stones concert, and I was that close to the stage. Rich Stadium in Buffalo, July 4th concert. I'd love to make a, at least write a screenplay, get a movie made about the three of us. It was Mikey, Bobby, and Tommy. Sounds like a Life Serial commercial. <laughs> Cheerios. There you go. Yeah, and, uh, and, but really, if but the legend is always better than the facts the facts are my first concert was a glenn campbell concert where i was right up on the, just as close to the stage in atlantic city with my mother and my aunt who was 80. so that's <laughs> that by the way great concert but, show to have glenn campbell i know your i know first one i always told everybody i didn't even know what a concert was when i was a teenager bobby said let's go see bobby this thursday uh bobby said let's go see the Rolling Stones, and I didn't know what I was going into, and it was one of the greatest experiences of my life, forgetting that I really had been to a concert once. It was Glenn Campbell when I was 10 or 11 with my aunt and my mother. Your wife is an Aries. April 3rd, you know, I never paid much attention over the course, uh, over the course of my life to astrology, but I pay attention to patterns. 
makes so much sense. Your wife is an April 3rd baby. My grandmother, Grandma Looney, April 3rd. My father, April 1st, an April Fool's baby. My mother, March 27th, all Aries. Grub of the prison guard, who I always talk about. One of my best friends, you and I have 10 of those. He's one of them in my top five, Mount Rushmore. He, uh, April 4th. My godson, a Anthony, April 4th. So, Aries, beautiful people. I'm a Sagittarius. Does that say anything to you? Does that scare you away from me? <sighs> November 23rd. I'm a Sag. Oh, what is no. that? Most of the people on the JT and Looney podcast, do they know that JT is a Sagittarius? That means one thing to me, Sagittarius. You are my brother. December 10th, my brother, Sagittarius. So, so of course, we get along. You're my brother. Uh, one more thing about concerts. You know, we always talk about what was your greatest concert. I have two money to go to. I've seen Rush 54 times and a lot of it. My, my <laughs> wife went to the original Farm Aid. You know, you shouldn't say that out loud. I've seen Rush 54 I, I say it often, don't I? Uh, <laughs> my wife went to the original, the original Farm Aid. Oh, said this if you wow. Google it, and I have it here in front of me. So you oh, that John Cougar Mellencamp. I, I'm just picturing who was there. Do you have it in front of you? Yeah, it was. It was the greatest lineup maybe of all time, and Willie Nelson, John Mellencamp, Neil Young. Oh, but then the crowd. Oh this God. was at Memorial Stadium, <laughs> excuse me, in Champaign, Illinois. Eighty thousand people. Oh, wow. Bob Dylan, Billy Joel, BB King, Loretta Lynn, Roy oh, Orbison, God. Tom Petty. Okay, when you look at this list. Why don't they do with, that anymore? Yeah, I always laugh with my wife about the entire lineup of that concert and say I'll never be able to go to a concert like that again and who was able to play the original Form Aid. Uh, let me continue. Alabama. Oh, the, the closer Sports, you get, the further I fall. Bon Jovi, Jimmy Buffett, Glenn Campbell. My wife saw Johnny Cash, Charlie <laughs> Daniels Band. Let, let me finish. John Denver. Uh, John Fogarty, Foreigner, Sammy Hagar and Van Halen, Daryl Hall. The list goes God. on and on. George Jones, Randy Newman, B.B. King, Carol King, Chris Christopherson, Huey Lewis, Roger McGuinn. And again, I'm looking at this saying no matter what, I, Eddie Van Halen, the original Van, Eddie Van Halen. And I look and say, who has ever gone to a concert or who will ever go Nobody. to a concert? So my wife's got me beat the remainder of our life because she went to the original Farm Aid. George Jones. He stopped loving her today. You didn't think I was going to belt out any George Jones or Alabama, did you? My mother-in-law loved that. Oh, uh, yeah, she did. Like, she and I with our Ronnie Millsap love. Oh, my God, he's great. I, uh, as you know, All I ever wanted to do was be on the radio. I never cared about the format. What's the format? Give me two minutes. What's the format here? Country, sports talk, news talk. What do we got? CHR, we playing Lady Gaga. I'm ready to go. And when I was in college, I left the rock station in State College, Pennsylvania, making good money as a college student. That's not always a good thing. <laughs> and went to the country station where I could do afternoon drive and, and voice commercials. So I went from having all my friends to hearing me to having none of my friends hearing me. But... I was uh, I was cutting my teeth doing production imaging work and afternoon drive and I loved the music didn't know anything about the music but when I left loved myself some Ronnie Millsap George Jones oh my god and all the Bakersfield sound you realize you know, Buck Owens is from Bakersfield and and how many actually great country music artists are from California Merle Haggard uh, Merle Haggard's incredible so I would have loved 
Farm Aid because I would have been familiar with the entire lineup. Well, say a prayer for me because I'm hosting two sports radio shows a day oh in God. early April. You're a soldier. The NFL nowhere in sight getting ready for mock draft season. So everyone, please <laughs> say a prayer for me wow. so I can get through the rest of the month on the JT and Looney podcast. Well, our conversation was really the way conversation should be had about race and trash talking. Yeah, I and, thought that was good. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I knew it from well, liking the loud girls. You know, I dated the loud girls that people, other people, the loud, smart ones. Uh, for some reason, they were always available to go to the prom. <laughs> uh, two guys at our age bracket talking about two female college basketball players taunting and race talk yeah. at this level is as good as anything you'll hear on a podcast. Goddamn right. Oh, thank you for listening to all 36 minutes and 36 seconds of the JT and Looney podcast. We're really into the numerology of this, and we're happy that you are too. JT and Looney podcast is powered by our friends at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.